and now it's over to Brett. Thanks, Roxanne. And thanks, Lee, for the invitation to preach. Whether or not he'd be here. So I really appreciate the call up and it's a real delight to be here. Uh, and yes, Roxanne, I do feel old. I was turning 43 when we planted this church back in 2007. So uh, who's on the, the PowerPoint there? Happy birthday, North Church. Give yourselves a round of applause. I think you deserve it. And uh, 15 years later, again, Keisha was reflecting she was 16 or something. 17 when we planted the church, so she's a little older now <laughs> in that way. Lani Smith, for those of you that don't know, uh, is the daughter of um, Julian and Sarah and the brother to Owen. Lani was born a week or two after we launched the service, and so she turns 15 this coming week or this, this month. Oh, okay, a little later on. So we've mapped her process as we've mapped North's process. And, of course, there is another little critter that turns one in just a couple of weeks' time, and that is my grandson. Uh, another little updated photo. I just need an excuse to show you a picture. Uh, his uh, nana and I were at a cafe just last week, and the cafe chef was behind the window there, and he was so taken by our grandson, who was just charming the socks off everyone, the waitresses and the like. As we went out to pay, he goes, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. And he chased us down, and he gave that little stuffed toy to Elisha and just said, here, this is for you. And I'm going, oh, I have a cute grandson. <laughs> Today, though, as uh, I didn't get a lot of warning in terms of just being available to preach, I wanted something that was both affirming and instructive. How can I affirm this church and how can I go on instructing this church? And so I just settled, uh, there were a number of things I, I could have looked at, but I just settled on John chapter 15, which is a very familiar passage to many of us. Uh, for me, it is one of my all-time favourite passages John chapter 15. So it's about the vine and the branches. And I think this will affirm, but it'll also instruct us in some way. So let's have a, a quick look into that. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me... You are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Some such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And it goes on, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy might be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love hath no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Very familiar passage. In fact, this last couple of verses in that passage was what was actually shared at my baptism many, many years ago. Uh, you did not choose me, I chose you. It's all about God. Just before I do forget, Michelle does pass on her apologies. She just had surgery recently and so she's not joining us, but she sends on her greetings as well. John chapter 15. So who thinks they know this passage fairly well? Just put up your hand. If you're fairly familiar with this, I wonder how you would summarise that to a friend. All these verses here, those verses, uh, John chapter 15, 1 to 17, how could you sum it up in something very pithy, very easy to remember? That's what I'm going to instruct you in today. And the affirmation is there are many of you that have actually walked this journey over the last two, three, four years in particular. And God really wants to affirm you for that walk. When Jesus refers to himself as the vine, he is once again taking an image for Israel and applying it to himself. I am the vine and my father is the gardener. Elsewhere in the Gospel of John, we read all sorts of I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, it's I'm the sheep's door. And in chapter 10, again, it goes on, I'm the good shepherd. In chapter 11, it says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And in chapter 14, just before this passage, it says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. All these I am statements. Author Richard Donovan writes, this I am language is actually a throwback way back to Moses, those times of Moses. In Exodus, where we read, I am uh, who I am. That's what God instructed to Moses. You know, Moses wanted to know, who, who should I say sent me? I mean, who are you? I am. I am who I am. Just tell them that. It's a very unusual name in that way. And the Bible um, Gateway Commentary suggests that the main point of this image is clear enough. The intimate union of believers with Jesus. He wants us to be integrated into this vine, the I am. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So this passage expands on a number of issues already raised in John, the Gospel. So if we look just at the whole book of the Gospel of John, the letter there, uh, first of all, it's about the commandment to love in John chapter 13, in John chapter 15. Time and time again, uh, this Gospel, this disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, this relationship, this intimacy, is a command to us as well. 
Just as I am loved by Jesus, John said, I want you to know that love and I need you to love others. In John chapter 13 and 15, again, it's the possibility of denying or not abiding in Jesus. I mean, that's, that's pretty extreme. It's possible for some Christians not to be grafted into the vine. What's that look like? What's that mean? In John chapter 14 and 15, the, the use of the word abide or remain is there in lots of different forms. The vital nature of a disciple's connection to Jesus is expressed in those two chapters, the, the chapter 14 and 15. The promise of fulfilled prayer. Ask whatever you wish. If you're going to abide in me, if you're going to have your life force coming from me, then ask whatever you wish. Now, the trick is, of course, it's not what we want. We know what God wants. And so we ask in line with him. And finally, the importance of keeping Jesus' commands and the necessity of bearing fruit. But it's important to understand that the opposite of all these aspects to living a fruitful Christian life might also be possible. The commandment to love, right up there at the start. Do you know there's such a thing as unloving Christians? That seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? What's the world say of Christians? What is the world and their attitude to Christians? Are we very loving or not? There's a lot of people in the world that don't think Christians are very loving. The opposite is also true, that there's actually the possibility of denying or not abiding in Jesus. We can fall out of step with Jesus. Elsewhere in the Gospels, of course, in the Scriptures, it says, keep in step with the Spirit. And suddenly, we can be starting off well, and the Scriptures again affirm, who cut in on you? What happened? You were going well. I look back over the last 15 years and, and there's lots of people that would say, you know, ask the question, so would you change anything? And then there's lots of people that would say, oh, no, I've never, I wouldn't change a thing. Love the last 15 years. I look back at the last 15 years and I go, there's plenty of things I'd change. Plenty of times when I feel like I started well maybe or I kept in step but then I just got distracted or I got off the ball or I, I got off track somehow and I didn't keep in step with Jesus. If we're all honest... None of us live a perfect life, but is it possible as well in this same way to fall out of step with Jesus? What about the vital nature of a disciple's connection to Jesus in the vine, grafted in the vine? Is it possible to disconnect? Last night I watched that amazing film uh, that has just been released on one of these platforms. What was it called? 13 Lives. The story of the, um, the boys in Thailand being saved out of those caves. An amazing story, so well uh, told by this movie. Really worth hooking into if you can. And it, and it, it struck me uh, with literally going through these caves and needing to, to be connected to that air. As soon as the air ran out, as soon as you know, one of the divers that died got disconnected, didn't they? And it cost them their life. This one Navy SEAL diver, Thai diver, that died as a result of that. It's possible to become disconnected from Jesus. The promise of fulfilled prayer. Do you know it's possible for us as Christians to live un, a life of unanswered prayer? I wonder how that happens. Well, this scripture tells us because we've got out of step with Jesus, because we're no longer grafted in there, maybe because we think we know what's right 
and we go our own way, or the importance of keeping Jesus' commands and the necessity of bearing fruit, it's possible for us to neglect his commands and to bear no fruit. Again, an oxymoron. What is a fruitless Christian? It's fruitless. What's the point if we're not bearing fruit? I know those of you that are familiar to some of my teaching, I know you've heard me say before, there's plenty of constipated Christians out there. <laughs> plenty of Christians that try to bear good fruit. Oh, I'll try to be more patient or I'll try to be more kind. I know I've got to strive to be the kind, patient, gentle, faithful person. And we're all constipated. You don't hear fruit trees in the middle of the night going, mm, <laughs> popping out the fruit. It's a natural thing to be expressing fruit in Jesus. So is it possible that we might neglect his commands and bear no fruit or try to bear fruit in our own strength and strive? It's what is said in Luke chapter 646 in the story of the wise and the foolish builders. Who's going to build on the rock of ages and who's going to build on slippery Sand that dissolves away. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do as I say? Jesus is going, why do you call me Lord and not do as I say? Again, an oxymoron. So what must we do to ensure that we keep loving God and keep loving others, that we keep confessing Jesus as Lord, that we keep on keeping on, as many of you have over the last few years, as you keep in step with the Holy Spirit or connected with God's powers or that our prayers might be effective or that we keep producing fruit that will last. The key to this directive, this whole passage, all these 17 verses comes down to just one word. Uh, I'll sum it up in three ways, but I love it. Just, you know, all these 17 verses, one word sums it up. Remain. Remain. To stay, to remain, to live, to dwell, to abide. Translated elsewhere, and it's all over the scriptures there, as um, it's expressed in Matthew and Acts, stay. Just stay. In uh, Corinthians, it's to continue, and same in Tim. In John and in Acts and in John, this same one Greek word is translated to dwell, to lodge, to sojourn. When was the last time you heard that word, sojourn? Let's all become sojourners. <laughs> it's an old word, but it's, it's there if for us. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, it's to survive. I am so thankful to God that this church has survived. You know, during COVID, <laughs> amen, <laughs> it needs to. But I'm, I'm thankful to God because it was vulnerable over a lot of times, uh, over a lot of days. As, as I left and Rob left and, you know, um, well, just before COVID hit, the, the facility was no longer available. Where would you meet? What would you do? Everybody else seems to be leaving as well. There was this sort of avalanche of possibility that this church mightn't survive. But let me affirm you, God in his grace has let this witness survive. And then Lee's come along and provided some other encouragement and leadership to spur you on further. But in elsewhere, in Romans, it's to continue unchanged. In John, it's to be permanent. Uh, there in Timothy, twice, it's to persevere, to be constant, to be steadfast. Uh, in Acts and in John, it's, it's to indwell or to wait for. And 
Look, we live in a, a world where it's instant gratification, isn't it? Yeah, I want it and I want it now. Yeah, we click that little button and we wait at the door for the delivery. Oh, it said it would be here yesterday. It's not. We're not very patient as people, are we? You know, our, our young people, it's about instant gratification in that way, more so than my generation's, and yet my generation was similar as well. But this whole passage, this one word that can be translated in so many different ways there, this one word, remain, is easily summarised in this passage in three ways. Remain in me, remain in my words, and remain in my love. That's the summary, that's the instruction bit. Uh, when times get tough, when things are uncertain, when the future's not known, remain in me, remain in my words, remain in my love. So first up, remain in me. What do we do? How do we do that? What's that look like? Well, this word remain has a number of different meanings. It means physically just to stay where you are. It means to also to continue to live, not die. That would be good to keep on keeping on, as I've said. It can also mean not to change, to stay strong in one's resolve, to remain in common purpose with others. It means to stay present, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. It means to survive unchanged. And I know there's many of you in this room that have gone, that's been my journey these last three or four years, just to remain when it seems everybody else is disconnected or dissolved or evaporated. Where have they gone? What's happened? There's no doubt that the last two years of COVID has shaken our world. Our world, not just our church, not just North Church, not just that church. It's shaken our world to the core. It's been a storm that has wiped out some of our freedoms. It's been a, a test that's exposed some of our own insecurities. It's been a shaking that's revealed some uncomfortable truths about how this world operates and about our vulnerability in this world. It's been a season that has uncovered the true nature of who's really committed to the cause of Christ as well. Oh, it's, it's easy to drift. None of us are immune from that possibility. Many of our churches across Victoria, as I'm now working in the BUV and uh, coaching church planters, and there hasn't been a lot of that over the last couple of years, but many of our churches have only seen uh, a half to a third of folk come back post-COVID. You know, lots of our churches have actually said, you know, we've had tens and hundreds of people not re-engage with church. Oh, there's still a sprinkling online. You know, we're offering the online services as well, but they haven't come back in person. And some of that's for good reason. There might be vulnerable people. There might be people that are not sure about how to re-navigate post-COVID. There is no new, new no, sorry, there is no going back to what was. There's that new normal, isn't there? But we haven't worked that out yet. Now, I know that isn't true of all our churches. However, we should be paying attention to the effects of what I'd call this great disruption that COVID-19 has brought. And just asking God, look, what are you up to? What are you doing? Has this been a pruning? Has this been a shaking? Has this just been COVID? Is COVID even real? All these different questions. But during this process, the challenge, I think, has been there to go back to something like John 15 and say, oh, actually, has this got something to say to me? Maybe you're looking online and you haven't re-engaged in person and actually 
this could be a challenge. So it's not just an affirmation of this church, but it's actually a challenge to some, an instruction. Come on, remain. Come on, come back. Remain. Come. Remain in me, in Jesus. And, and we like to think we can do that alone sometimes, like mavericks. It's just between me and God. No, faith is never in the context of alone. It's always in the context of community. Remain in me. Remain in Jesus. He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he's our bread of life. He ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet he is our living water. He was weary, yet he is our rest. He paid tribute, yet he's our king. He was accused of having a demon, yet he casts out our demons. He was Somebody that wept, yet he wipes away our tears. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver and he redeemed the whole world. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and he is our good shepherd. He died, yet his death, by that, he destroyed the power of death over us. I discovered about two or three weeks before I got COVID earlier this year in about March or thereabouts that I had a lung disease. Didn't know I had a lung disease. My doctor goes, Oh, so were you a smoker? I'm going, No. All right, okay. I tried it once. <laughs> but no, I wasn't a smoker. And she's trying to work out how did you get an acute or a, a chronic lung disease? And I'm going, I don't know. It might have been all the renovations I've done over the years and not wearing masks and just breathing in tile dust and sawdust and all these other things. It might, I, I don't know. But then I'm thinking, man, I don't want to get COVID now. I'm vulnerable in that way. And I'm so thankful to God for the vaccines because I, mid to late 50s now, I could have been a statistic. I was classically in that realm. And when I did get COVID, it hit me pretty hard because my chest is not, my lungs rather, don't have the capacity they should have. Uh, I'm very thankful, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit scared about the future. What if I get it again and again and again? Because I think we all will. I think this is just here to stay. What if, what if my immune system just progressively goes down? Well, he conquered death. I don't need to be afraid. Remain in Jesus, Brett. Don't remain in your fear. Don't remain in your anxiety. Don't remain in what might be. Don't even put faith in your lungs because <laughs> you only have 60% capacity. <laughs> remain in me. Okay. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. <laughs> Secondly, remain in my words. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9 says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on walking on the road. When you go lie down and when you get up, uh, tie them as symbols to your hearts and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on uh, the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Um, I won't give it too much away, but I, I went into somebody's bathroom just a, little, a couple of weeks ago, and there on the window in lipstick was a Bible verse. Uh, on the, not the window, the mirror. I love it. <laughs> Write them anywhere. When my wife, when we first had children, she 
she got out of the routine of daily Bible studies. She just, there was nothing routine about three kids under five. You know, her routines were out the window. But what she did was she wrote out little Bible verses and put them everywhere. The back of the toilet door, on the, the dashboard of the car, on the fridge, anywhere. She wrote them everywhere, just like this. Remain in his words. If you're not in the habit of getting in the word, make it visible to you. Uh, don't just do Wordle every day. <laughs> Get into the Bible app. It's been said that the famous missionary, David Livingston, started his trek across Africa, and he had 73 books in three packs, weighing 180 pounds. And after the party he was travelling with had gone 300 miles, Livingston was obliged to throw away some of those books. another ship that was stranded in rough seas and it had this huge steel cable uh, linked from one ship to the other and in the middle of the storm when this little tugboat was towing this much bigger ship this, the cable snapped and like a maddened steel snake it just whipped about ricocheted and it went right across the bow of the tugboat, tugboat. but just as it was splitting just as the captain was aware this cable is not going to last. He yelled, everybody, he yelled to everybody on the crew, get down in this just command, be obedient to me. I'm the captain of the ship right now. He just yelled, get down. Now, if any of the, the sailors, any, any of the crew on that little tugboat go, oh, I don't have to be obedient to you. I know better than the captain. No, I'm not going to get down. Or questioned it. Why should I get down? Give me one good reason why. Yeah, they had no time. That maddened steel snake was whipping across the bow. And it was a great illustration for me that obedience saves lives. <laughs> and that's true for us and Jesus. You know, we just sometimes think, I don't, nobody tells me what to do. <laughs> if Jesus tells you to forgive that person, you better do it. <laughs> Jesus 
tells you to give that thing, you better give it. If Jesus tells you to share the gospel, you better do it. It has the potential to save lives in that same way. So remain in me. Remain in my words. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. I think sometimes we get in the habit of asking for things that aren't according to God's will because we're not abiding in his word. Yeah, we, we just get a little wish list instead rather than God's list in that way. And finally, it says, remain in my love. We are chosen. We are God's church. North Church, you are dearly loved in God. You know, you've had some pruning back, you've had some challenges, you've, you've had no building for a while, for a season, you had COVID, you had all these other things bombarding against you and your faith journey, and yet God would still say, you are dearly loved in my sight. You are precious to me. We are on his team. A lot of people I know struggle with, I guess, issues of self-image, but the truth is probably most of us do, you know? that confidence, that sense of, I guess, security. The trouble is that many of us who struggle to love, we struggle to love others because we really don't love ourselves. Jesus said, love others as I have loved you. Love. The trouble is we struggle to give because we want our needs met first. Oh, I can't give this away. What, what about me? <laughs> then we become insecure and we hold tightly to things. In fact, you know, we accumulate so much in the West, we don't need half of what we got. We actually moved house twice during COVID times and it was a bit premature downsizing, doing this downsizing thing because now Gemma and Josh, our daughter and son-in-law and our grandson have moved back in with us because they've just sold their house. And I'm going, why did we downsize? Why did we do that? Jared's still with us. I think he'll still be with us for another few months as well. We're trying to get rid of him. He's got engaged now. That's lovely. He's got a wedding planned for next year. He and his fiance bought a house in Mitchum. I'm going, go, go. <laughs> but he won't. Um, why was I saying this now? <laughs> oh, yeah, we struggle, we struggle to give because we, we, keep, we keep hold of things. But moving house twice in COVID, let me tell you, I loved culling stuff. I loved getting rid of Do you know how hard it was during COVID? You weren't allowed to have garage sales. You weren't even allowed to go to the op shop to give all these things away. Even on Gumtree or Marketplace or whatever, people weren't allowed to come around to our place. It was really tough giving it away, but I had to. At one stage when we did make the move, we still had Keisha with us as well, um, into this other little house, this downsized house that we had. We had stuff in our garage before Keisha built her house. We had stuff in our neighbour's garage and we had stuff in our neighbour's neighbour's garage. <laughs> we, we just kept getting... We said, could you just store this table to this table and these bikes just for a few months until we get sorted? It was ridiculous. <laughs> the trouble is we struggle to give because we want our needs met first. The trouble is that this does terrible things for any life or any group or any church when we want first rather than living for God and for others first. The truth is God loves us and none of us should have a self-image problem. The truth is that none of us should be insecure because if God is for us, who then can be against us? The truth there in the scripture that we've read today is he chose you 
In Ephesians, it actually goes further. He chose you before the creation of the world. He thought of you. Think of that. Before he created the world, he thought of you. He said, ah, I'm going to choose this guy. I'm going to choose this girl. I'm going to choose you. We're not an afterthought. We're not what is left over. God, over the last two or three years, has not abandoned North Church. He never had, and he's never forgotten about you. God doesn't say, oh, I suppose I have to choose you. (laughs) No, he delights in choosing us. As the Father has loved you, so I have loved you. No, sorry, as the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so now I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in his love. In Christ, we have a love that cannot be fathomed. We have a life that can never die. We have a righteousness that can never be tarnished, a peace that can never be understood, a rest that can never be disturbed, a joy that can never be diminished, a hope that can never be disappointed, a glory that can never be clouded, a light that can never be darkened, a purity that can never be defiled, a beauty that can never be marred, a wisdom that can never be baffled, and resources that can never be exhausted in him. Not in our own doing, not in our own strength. We so often get into striving as Christians. We so often get into doing it in our own strength. And the Jesus, Jesus says, get connected back into me and remain. And so my prayer for North Church is, again, both affirming and instructive. Many of you have remained. But I love to change these words, remain in me, remain in my words, remain in my love, for another one. It's the same word, but just has a different emphasis for us. It's abide. Just that next click. Abide. There's something, I don't know, it it remains less striving. (laughs) Sit back. Relax. Take a load off. (laughs) Just abide. There's something in the English that's different from remain. Remain almost has that sense, hang tight, stay there, remain. Okay, oh, it's getting windy. (laughs) It's getting windy, remain. Whereas for me, abide is almost just, relax. Does that make sense? And that's my word for you again today. Some of you against the winds have been hanging on for dear life. And well done. Again, lots of affirmation, lots of congratulation. Lot, you know, man, the Lord plucked me out of North Church just before COVID. And I've often reflected, boy, I don't know if I would have hung tight during these testing times. I don't know how I would have survived as a pastoral leader. A, a lot of our pastoral leaders, and not just pastoral leaders, but volunteer leaders, a lot of them are sh- under sheer exhaustion from the last two or three years. Um, I've asked numerous leaders across our Baptist Union over the last few weeks, what's what's your capacity? How's your energy levels? And most of them are replying somewhere between 25 and 40%. And I'm going, warning bells, warning bells, because they've been hanging on for dear life. Uh, If that's been you, I just want to encourage you. I just want to change affirmation for instruction. Just sit back. Take, take your hand off something. Let the wind of God, as it were, take you somewhere. And just abide. And so as you abide in Jesus, as you abide in his words, as you abide in his love, then the fruit comes. It's there. The peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control, all, all that fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that more fruit, 
just like these baptisms that are coming up. I was so delighted to hear about that. Uh, Praise God, yes. (laughs) People willing to make a stand for Jesus and say, I'm declaring him as my Lord. It'll come again. It'll come. But there are always seasons in our life, aren't there? You know, it's not all spring. It's not all summer. (laughs) There are winters. There are autumns. And there are times of pruning back. Why? So that you might even be more fruitful. Let's pray. I just want to pray particularly today for those that have really identified with that sense of hanging on for dear life and just the wearisomeness, the tiredness that that can bring. And that instruction today perhaps just to let go and abide afresh. Is that applicable to you? Would you care to put up your hand? I'd just love to pray for you right now. Just keep your hand up high just as though something from the Lord might just settle on you afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. You are here. You are with us. We are loved. But touch my brothers and sisters. Touch them, Lord. Revive them. Restore. Lord, do something of a work of restoration today for maybe whatever the locusts have taken ravaged in their lives, whether that's emotionally, whether that's physically, whether that's spiritually, whether that's socially, mentally, whatever that is, however the locusts have ravaged, Lord, I pray restoration. I pray refreshment. I pray that their arms might be able to bend a bow of bronze, that there might be fresh strength and fresh vigour and fresh hope restored into those that have responded to you today. Come. Holy Spirit, thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness to them. But Lord, strengthen them today. Encourage them. Encourage them, I pray. And continue to build your church in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much.